you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, Owen. This is Des uh, from the Upper West Side. I have a extremely devout... Awesome. Upper West Side. Really close to me, actually. We're, we are within a couple miles of each other at most, because all of Manhattan Island is only a few miles long. Upper West Side. I have a extremely devout Jehovah Witness grandmother. She just got into the religion, kind of forcing it on us. How do you deal with deconverting old folks that are kind of stubborn in their ways and um, a little bit less responsive to questioning? And secondly, I know that undoing a cult is like a cult-like personality is a little bit hard, but is replacing that cult-like personality any better or worse? Is it any better to replace their personality? The nature of a cult is a group that is trying to modify people's personalities and replace their authentic personality with the cult personality. Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, Heaven's Gate, Jonestown, they all did this. They all try to replace their authentic self with what Jehovah's Witnesses call the new personality. It, it turns people into clones of each other, basically. It's really, really harmful and toxic, and it is one of the defining features of a cult. So the question from the voicemail was, is it ethical to replace the cult personality with another? And the answer is, no, that wouldn't be ethical. What I'm trying to do is to restore their authentic personality or erase the cult personality. I'm trying to get rid of the programming that the cult did while the person was on the inside. And to address the other part of the question about how to get an older person out, sometimes there is no answer to that. Sometimes they're just not going to leave. Sometimes they've been in it for so long, their entire lives have revolved around it. They don't have a route out. You may have to come to accept that. That's what I've had to come to accept with my mom. But if you wanted to try, there are methods of deprogramming people. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's hit or miss. The method that I use is basically street epistemology. You can find out more about it from like Anthony Magna Bosco's YouTube channel, for example, or Cordial Curiosity does it a lot. There's a book all about it called A Manual for Creating Atheists. So you could give it a look and uh, see if it does any good for you. Hey, I'm uh, from Georgia, and I was wondering, uh, if you had to follow a religion, which one would it be and why? If I had to follow a religion, which would it be and why? I would say it would have to be a religion that isn't a cult. They are not synonymous. There are some religions out there that aren't harmful and destructive. They don't try to program in a new personality. 
They don't try to modify your behavior with rewards and punishments or limit the information you're allowed to take in or limit the amount of emotional connection you can have with friends or family members or direct you towards certain people to, be, to befriend, basically. I would want to be a part of a religion that isn't like that. And also, I would want the religion to be true. If it's not true, I have no interest in being a part of it. And up to now, I've seen absolutely no evidence that any religion is true. I'm willing to hear them out. I'm willing to think about it. And I'm willing to change my mind if evidence is presented. But it, it, it just isn't. Nobody has given me satisfactory evidence to prove to me that any religion out there is true and accurate and not destructive. So if I had to pick one, it would probably be some form of Lutheran or Episcopalian because I know they're pretty moderate or maybe Methodist. For the most part, they're pretty moderate. Don't hate anybody for anything. That varies from church to church, obviously, but by and large, that's what I've seen. Hey, Owen, this is Thomas from Virginia. And I was just wondering, on your show this past week, talked about how treason requires two witnesses. And I thought of the Jehovah's Witnesses um, practice of the two witness rule. And I was just wondering, like, where did JW get that from? Because um, I don't think it's in the Bible. Thanks. Love the show. Very interesting. So where did Jehovah's Witnesses get the two witness rule thing from? In case you're unaware, Jehovah's Witnesses have this thing where... Um, uh, okay, so Jehovah's Witnesses, they want to set up their, their own government, essentially. They want to have a structure that when all government services and everything fails, which it inevitably will, according to them, they want to be in place and ready to take control, take the reins of power, and, you know, control society, basically. That's their ultimate goal. So they have this whole system set up, a judicial system, if you will, um, and they make decisions and everything all based off of two witnesses. So if a crime is committed, there have to be two witnesses to the crime, which means either a victim and another person who can attest to that or two witnesses who saw it took place or something like that. Um, this is actually from the Bible, and I will read the verse to you. Hang on. The verse that it comes from is Matthew eighteen sixteen. It says, But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. The context for this is um, this system was originally used back before DNA evidence existed, Back before we had investigators or, you know, police that like we have today, essentially. So you couldn't really believe anybody on, on their word unless there was a second or a th even a third person to back it up. Um, this verse was originally supposed to apply to civil offenses, like bring two or three people with you if you're going to sign a contract with somebody so that those two or three people can attest to the fact that you both agreed to sign the contract together in person. Um, it was a civil thing. You know, he sold me this tractor, I gave him the shekels for it, 
and it was a done deal. And now they back out and they say they want the tractor back because you stole it. Well, you have two or three witnesses here to attest to the fact that that trade took place and it wasn't, you know, you stealing it or whatever. It was supposed to be a civil thing. But Jehovah's Witnesses took this and applied this to criminal offenses. And that's what got them in all kinds of hot water with child molesters in the congregation. Because if two witnesses don't come forward to attest to this taking place, they don't take action on it. They, they pretend it didn't even fucking happen. That's the whole root of the issue. There have to be two witnesses or two victims. One complainant, one person coming forward and saying, this guy did this to me, doesn't matter. They ignore it. Uh, up until recently, at the very least, I haven't heard that they've changed their policies at all. Historically, they've completely ignored it and kept their mouths shut until a second victim comes forward. So what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to make note of that you know, grievance in on their like in their record at the Kingdom Hall, like, oh, this person was accused of doing this thing to this child. So we're gonna put a record on here. And if we hear any reports from another person, then we'll take action. Then we'll call the police, then we'll disfellowship them, then we'll do this thing and that thing and blah blah blah. So what they were doing was they were writing this down on paper, putting it in their little private area where nobody could see because it's super private information, that person would move to a new kingdom hall and then reoffend. Guess what? There aren't two victims. Not that the new kingdom hall knows of. There's only one. Only one complaining witness all of a sudden, again. So they'd move to a third kingdom hall after that. As soon as it gets reported, they move to a new kingdom hall. And this allowed some people, three, four, five, ten, twenty, thirty people, I mean, who knows, Two or three very specific cases that we know of. People moving from Kingdom Hall to Kingdom Hall from like the 1970s through the 80s and through the 90s and the 2000s, continuing to offend. 10, 15, 20 kids were victimized by Jehovah's Witnesses for that reason. So anyway, that's the two-witness rule. That's, its, that's where it comes from. That's the origins of it. And that's how Jehovah's Witnesses misuse it. But that was a really interesting point about how two witnesses are required to establish treason in the U.S. I hadn't made that connection. Why don't JWs have a database of child abusers? Do they have one and keep it secret? They do have one. It is known for a fact that they have one. That, that was admitted in open court that they have a database that they will refuse to release to anybody. A database filled with the names of people who have abused children, but only once, or at least once. Not necessarily reported to the cops, not necessarily reported to the victims or other possible victims or any of that. It, it, it exists, and I understand that they estimate it's around 23,000 names total. Dustin Benz, what are your thoughts on the gold standard? I was just watching a video on Nixon taking the U.S. and all currencies off the gold standard. Thoughts? I think it's probably a dangerous situation. Um, it, it's probably better for us to be on the gold standard. Cryptocurrency isn't based on anything. Cryptocurrency has fabricated value, just like the U.S. dollar right now. So I don't know. It, at some point in human history, we're probably going to get to the point where things don't need to be backed up to retain their value. So 
I think we'll be okay. I mean, we've made it 30 years so far or so, or 40 or 50 or whatever, 50 years or more. And we're okay so far. So I, it was probably a bad idea, but honestly, um, one benefit that that gives us coming off the gold standard, it gives us the ability to print as much money as we need and then loan it to the U.S. government. So the Federal Reserve is a private company. It's not a government entity. The Federal Reserve is who prints money. And the U.S. government borrows that money from the Federal Reserve as much as we want. In fact, they don't even have to print it. All they, all they have to do, Federal Reserve, is move a decimal place over three spots, and suddenly we have $3 trillion. Boom. Just like that. Created out of thin air. We give that money out to people through various different methods. And that stimulates the economy. Problem is, we have to pay that money back. The Federal Reserve could completely cancel that debt if they wanted, but the value of the dollar would fall through the floor worldwide. Our, the dollar would no longer have any real worth outside the U.S. And largely, we're a service-based economy, so we kind of depend on the industrial economy of China and other countries out there to survive. We have to maintain the value of the dollar. So we have to pay the, fe the Federal Reserve back. I think we have like, what, $25 trillion in debt or something like that, right, as a country. China only owns like a billion of that. Saudi Arabia owns another billion of that or something like that, somewhere in that vicinity. They only own like 10%. We owe ourselves almost all of it. It's almost all owed to the Federal Reserve, which means we're going to be paying, our grandchildren will be paying that back to ourselves in their lifetimes. Like I said, we could just completely cancel the debt. Just boom, it's gone. We don't owe ourselves anything anymore if we wanted. That's the benefit of printing our own money. But nobody would trust the dollar anymore worldwide, and it would the value would plummet, and we'd be fucked. So... Next, we're going to talk about televangelist Hank Kuneman telling his listeners that God will reward them if they continue to believe the prophets who guaranteed Trump's re-election. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled, Hank Kuneman Says God Will Reward Those Who Continue to Believe the Prophets Who Guaranteed Trump's Re-Election. This is no surprise to me, honestly. What the, the most surprising thing about this is that this guy is still fucking stuck on this. When is he going to give this up? If you guys don't remember Hank Kuneman, this is him right here on screen. He put out a new clip, so I wanted to give it a watch and see what he had to say for himself. Let's listen. God has not changed his mind. President Trump won. The nation is now in a place where we are being tested. Mark chapter 6 is where we are prophetically. This is so fucking sad. This guy really can't give up on this. We're in May now, and this guy is still obsessing 
over the idea that Trump won the election. I mean, what else do you do, honestly? The guy prophesied, claimed that God told him that Trump was going to win the election. How do you back out of that? How do you back out of something like that? He has to buckle down. He has to continue talking about it. Honestly, if I was in his situation, I would shut my mouth about this subject, never bring it up again. Hang my head in shame for a few weeks and then move on with my life. But he's still releasing clips about it. Let's keep listening. Jesus told the disciples to get in a boat. They get in a boat. They begin to row. And Jesus is coming by way of a visitation. The disciples, which represents the church, misread the signs uh, of Jesus' visitation and think that it's something evil. That's where a lot of people are at today. They cannot see what God is doing. They can't recognize a visitation. But yet Jesus was testing the church or the disciples. And the Bible says in Mark 6 that he intended to pass them by. Notice how he's comparing Trump to Jesus nonstop. He keeps comparing Trump to Jesus. Jesus. He's not the only one making that comparison. We have Jeff Jansen doing the exact same thing about halfway through this clip right here. People are saying, well, Jeff, you're talking about Trump, but what, what about Jesus? Well, I'm talking about Jesus. We're talking about righteousness. We're talking about justice. We're talking. People are getting sick of hearing this in his congregation, apparently, and asking questions about why he's not talking about Jesus. He's continuing to talk about Trump. And he reaffirms we are talking about Jesus. We're talking about Trump. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about righteousness. They believe this is part of the theology. They believe God has anointed Trump as a Messiah of Jesus' levels, of Jesus' proportions. And here we are, Hank Kuneman, furthering those prophecies with this, claiming that Trump is ordained by God to fulfill a role in his grand plan, just like Jesus. This is a cult. I'm telling you, this is a cult, and it's a religion now. They can't recognize a visitation, but yet Jesus was testing the church or the disciples. And the Bible says in Mark 6 that he intended to pass them by. It was a test. What would they do? Well, they were rowing against a wind that was blowing contrary. We're hearing contrary reports, contrary things that is dividing the nation, attacking the prophets, saying that, you know, God is, is basically done with America, the prophets are wrong. So these winds are blowing, the disciples are rowing. I don't understand how they came to the conclusion that God gave a shit about America in the first fucking place. Why does God care about this one country out of the, like, 190-something countries that exist on the planet? Why is it America? Is it because you were born here, Hank Kuneman? Is that why it's so important? Seriously, what makes America so fucking important? Why wasn't it, like, a, a European country? Why, why isn't it China? Why isn't it any other country on the planet? This is just completely absurd. A lot of chaos is happening in the boat. The disciples finally call Jesus in the boat, and something happens. A great acceleration begins to take place. Mark 6 says, immediately they were on the other side. This is what is beginning to happen. We are now in the season that God is going to fulfill what he has spoken through the prophets. In case you didn't catch on, Hank Kuneman is making a new prophecy. Honestly, don't know why he thinks that's a good idea. Honestly, couldn't tell you why he decided to dig himself a deeper hole. No fucking clue, but that's what he's doing. So let's give this article a read and see what it says. It's by Kyle Mantilla on rightwingwatch.org. 
Self-proclaimed prophet Hank Kuhneman was a guest on the Flashpoint program Tuesday night. Which, by the way, Flashpoint is Kenneth Copeland's channel now. It's like his thing. I'm not sure if it's a channel. No, Flashpoint is a show on Kenneth Copeland's channel, I believe. So, anyways, Hank Kuhneman and Kenneth Copeland are pretty close. They're good friends, apparently. When he continued to insist that God is testing Christians to see which ones will continue to trust the prophets who guaranteed Donald Trump's re-election in the 2020 election. Those who continue to do so, he said, are going to be rewarded. After repeating his claim that he was told by God in the wake of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks that he would raise up a president from New York City who will bring this nation back on course and this president will be given two terms, Kuhneman asserted that the presidency of Joe Biden is a test of faith for believers. Man, are you kidding me? Are you... Are you serious? You're not going to give up on this? You're going to dig your heels in and absolutely insist that this is the case, that you weren't wrong all along, when we're sitting here watching it take place? This is embarrassing. God has not changed his mind, Kuhneman said. President Trump won. The nation is now in a place where we are being tested. God is going to fulfill what he has spoken through the prophets, he continued. There are some prophets that have backed off. They're not pressing in. And the prophets that will, the believers that continue to press in, are the ones that are going to be rewarded in this day. These that are criticizing the prophets are going to see that they were, in fact, right. Kuhneman then proceeded to prophesy, quote, Do not think for a moment, says the living God, that I am not working or that I have been silent. Remember, this is Kuhneman speaking for God, in God's name. These are God's words. These should be written in a new Bible book. The book of Kuhneman, chapter 3, verse 2. That's what the, this is what this is. He is prophesying the words of God, like Moses supposedly did, even though Moses didn't actually even exist. He wasn't a real person, but I digress. I have allowed hell to make it appear as though they have won and they are winning, and they have been wringing their hands. They have been celebrating, but God says... Great fear is even in the very bowels of hell and those who are cooperating with evil. Why are they afraid? It's because of what I'm in the process of doing and what I will do that I will bring an independence day to this nation. I will deliver it. I will set it free. Which nation is he talking about? He says this nation. He could have been talking about any nation. Why is it automatically assumed it's America? This is fucking mind-blowing. And God says, what I do shall take you through the summer months and even into the fall. And throughout this, wow, he's just extending the timeline for himself right now, isn't he? And throughout this year that I will have promised and what I have declared 2021, one, W-O-N, shall be the fulfillment of your battles and there shall be spoils of this battle that shall be given unto this nation. Notice now he's using verbiage that you would commonly find in the Bible. There shall be spoils of this battle that shall be given unto this nation. Nobody in common speech uses the word spoils or unto. Those are definitely biblical words, and he's trying to speak in a biblical way. Joseph Smith used this trick too when he wrote the Book of Mormon. He tried to word it to sound like it was like the Bible. He made it sound like it was the Bible. He used the wording and the old English that he was reading straight out of his Bible to write the Book of Mormon. And now today, it looks fucking ridiculous. He, he looks like a fraud as a result, because there were translation errors from his version of the Bible, exclusive to the version of the Bible that Joseph Smith owned. 
and we find those errors in the Book of Mormon, like translation errors where he tried to quote something and failed miserably. And that's the exact kind of sh shit that we're seeing Hank Kuhneman do here. He's saying unto and the spoils of the battle and all of this shit to make it sound like it came straight out of the Bible. Why wouldn't God just put the words in your head that you understand naturally? Why would God be using old English words that are out of circulation now? They don't think that far ahead. They just want to make you think that they're really speaking for God. And God says, I am not done with President Trump. This is even part of the great awakening that shall cause men's mouths to fall open. And those who have reported even upon the news and have attacked and been part of the lies, they too shall see and be awakened that I am the God that shall step in and I am the Lord that shall bring great things. You know, if God actually like stepped in and made himself known and, and just spoke in my head, hey, I'm real. This is actually God. No fucking around. I believe. Simple as that. That's all he's got to do. So fucking simple, right? Why doesn't he just speak into everybody's head all at once and tell us, hey, I'm real. That's all it would take for me, probably. I mean, I'd want to make sure there were, you know, the CIA hadn't invented any information beaming technology or anything like that first, but it would be really, really easy. If God wanted me to believe in him, he knows exactly what it would take, and being all-powerful, he could do it. Yes, great cancellations, great removals, and great good things shall begin to swiftly come. Great cancellations. There's that callback to cancel culture, quote-unquote. For many have looked at the 104 days and they say, surely there is no hope for the future of this nation. God says, I laugh at that. This is so embarrassing. Do you understand that even as the Son of God went in the temple and overthrew the tables, I will do the same with the silly legislation, I will do the same with the agenda that they have tried to bring in this time, and I will throw it out because I have promised to give this nation to the children and to my son, and to the honor of this nation that has pledged their allegiance for generations. I pledge my honor in return, says a living God. So get ready. There shall be a derailment, and this shall be a sign. Notice use of the word shall, and I pledge my honor, and pledge their allegiance. All, the, all of the words, all the verbiage that he's using is made to make it feel more like it's coming straight out of the Bible. But he's using modern terms and modern context to make it feel even more real to his poor suckers who are listening. There shall be a derailment, and this shall be a sign. Even the insects shall come and be a distraction. But do not be moved by these things, for I will move my hand swiftly and quickly, and I will bring a great return, and a celebration shall come upon this nation and upon the nations of the earth. And men shall even say, We did not think it would happen, but it has happened before us. And those that have been in strife, they will see the truth. When they see the evidence, and when they see the good, they will put their swords down. And a unity shall come among my people in the church, but it shall come even upon this nation. More biblical verbiage, more words that sound like they should be coming out of the Bible. Kat Kerr has mastered the art of making it sound like it came from the Bible, too, when it really, she's just fabricating shit. That great healing shall be brought forth, so the Lord says. The days are not prolonged, they are in process. Get ready, for you will see my hand, and you will say, look at what the Lord has done. Honestly, if something like that happened, you know, God comes out and stops playing fucking peekaboo with us, 
It'd be that simple. I'd suddenly believe. But basically everything that Hank Kuhneman says is an embarrassment to himself. He's full of shit. He constantly has failed prophecies, one after another after another. And here we are, he's doing another one, again. Like, when is this guy going to learn that prophesying and naming dates specifically, naming time frames, it's a bad fucking idea. Harold Camping famously did this shit, and it ended really, really badly for him. Every good cult leader knows you're not supposed to name dates. You're not supposed to name time frames. And here he is, not just naming time frames, but he's saying Trump is going to be reinstated as president again. Next, we're going to talk about right-wing extremists melting down over Trump's continued Facebook ban. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled MAGA Pastor, Facebook Banning Trump is Exactly Like Satan Killing Jesus. This one's by Hemet Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website, so let's give it a read and see what it says. Right-wing pastor Shane Vaughn of Mississippi's First Harvest Ministries, who credited Donald Trump with the COVID relief bill that not a single Republican voted for, isn't handling the Facebook decision about Trump well. And he's not the only one. I actually have some clips of another guy who's completely disintegrating right now. We're going to take a look at in a second. But this isn't the only situation I've seen this guy in. This guy, Shane Vaughn, actually has come up for me in my research into evangelical nutbags a few times. But I just haven't gotten around to covering him yet. Uh, this is my very first time covering this guy. But he's all over the place. He's reasonably big. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So anyways, let's keep reading. Facebook's oversight board said Trump should remain banned from the site for six more months while Facebook clarifies its own policies. After that, Trump may be reinstated or the suspension may continue. Vaughn isn't interested in that nuance. He thinks Trump is banned for life and he said during a live stream Wednesday that it might work out in the long run because Trump will be back bigger and stronger. This one is actually interesting to me because it's diving a little bit into cancel culture, quote unquote, and whether canceling somebody makes them stronger or not. So I wanted to talk about that in a minute or two. But let's watch this clip by this guy, Shane Vaughn, and see what he had to say for himself. We need 100,000 patriots to become reporters for Donald Trump get his words out there since they wanted to be so smart that they wound up being stupid because they made the same mistake that Satan made when he killed Jesus Christ. Interesting comparison, huh? We're just hearing comparison after comparison from these pastors about how much Trump is like Jesus. Just like Jesus. And another thing, this guy, what he was saying just now, he said that uh, we need to get Trump's words out there. Trump had talked about starting a social media website, basically, a while back. And everybody came to realize that that was just a stupid fucking idea, including Trump himself. So he decided not to start a social media network. What he actually started was a blog where he can post on it 
and other people can comment on his posts, I believe. That's my understanding of it. I haven't actually been there yet. But Mike Lindell also talked about, you know, the MyPillow guy, he talked about starting a social media website too. And he actually got to the point where it was supposed to come up. I don't know if it eventually was finally started or not, but the day that it was supposed to start, quote unquote, there were a bunch of technical issues and glitches, and it just turned into like a live stream of Mike Lindell. He's just sitting there talking to the audience. Eventually, I think Mike Lindell probably burned a bunch of bridges in the right-wing community by saying that it was for free speech. It's all for freedom of speech, so you can say what you want, but you can't break any of the Ten Commandments, which means no blaspheming, no swearing, no lying, and of course, he decides what's a lie and what's true. So you're not allowed to go on there and say Trump didn't win the election because that's a lie in his mind. He just kind of burned a bunch of bridges with the no swearing thing, honestly. Uh, it, it was supposed to be for biblical values. It turned out to be for Mike Lindell's values and nothing more. So anyways, point is that failed miserably. And Trump realized also that starting a social media network is not easy and not something that you can do at the drop of a hat. So he kind of bailed on that one, too, and just created a basic blog. Anyway, that's what this guy is talking about. And he'll get into it a little bit more in a second. Let's keep listening. ...made when he killed Jesus Christ. By killing that one man and killing his voice, he created a world full of little Christians that echo the message of Christ. See? No, that's not what caused Christianity. Jesus' death is not the thing that started Christianity. I don't even know if Jesus was real in the first place. Silencing a message, there's this misconception about canceling people or whatever. Silencing a message cripples that message's ability to spread. That's just what it is. Alex Jones, when he was like banned from like Facebook and Spotify and iTunes and all that other shit, he said, oh, we're just going to come back bigger and stronger, baby. Or whatever the fuck it was he said. He was under the misconception that being banned from everywhere and having his voice muted was going to make his voice louder. What gave you that idea? What makes people think that getting canceled makes you stronger? Wrong. That's fucking wrong. You get canceled. That's it, man. Your voice no longer has the ability to spread to as many people as it did before. I'm so fucking sick of this. Does canceling people work? Of course it works. Yes. That's not the question anybody should be asking. The question we should be asking is, should we be canceling? Valid question. Varies from person to person and platform to platform. But uh, does it work? Stupid question. Of course it does. Yes. Let's keep listening. Stupid on the devil's part. The Bible says, had Satan known what was going to happen, he would never have crucified Jesus Christ. Because what he did was he started a harvest of Christians. Or it's just a made-up fucking story and a, a death cult that formed in, you know, 2,000 years ago and then grew into a religion. That, that's a possibility too, right? Go the message. He only had one man to deal with. Now he's got a whole population full of us. Same thing they're doing with Trump. Let them crucify him. But we're now the echo, and we're going to put it on every page, every Twitter account, everything we got. Now, because the oversight board didn't 
rule that we couldn't share Trump content. There you go. That's his plan. His plan is to take the shit that Trump posts on his new blog, his new social media network or whatever, and they're going they're planning to repost it on social media. Cancellation works. That's just a, that's just, that's a fact. But if you're going to cancel Trump, you're going to have to cancel this shit too or it's pointless. We can talk about whether or not Trump should be canceled. We can talk about whether or not Trump should be allowed to post on social media. I'm not making any claims about that right at this immediate moment. I'm saying if your goal is to stop the spread of misinformation coming from Trump, you can't just ban Trump. You have to block that content also. And uh, yeah, it works. It does work. If you silence that shit, it works. That's why people don't like it, because it, it, it silences a message. Let's keep listening. Loud on Facebook, for now anyway. So take advantage of it while we can. All right, so that's great news, isn't it? That's great news. He's trying to look on the bright side here. No, Trump being banned is not great news for your movement. It's bad fucking news. Right, so let's go back over here and uh, let's come back over here and cancel that. And now y'all can come back into my office, oh, all right? Christ. Okay, so there we go. That's the plan. Uh, we're all, I'm ordaining all of you right now as evangelists. Fascinating verbiage, isn't it? Of the Trump revival. The Trump revival. I'm ordaining you all as evangelists for the Trump revival ordaining all of you right now as evangelists of the Trump revival. Is, is there any doubt that this is a death cult and a religion at this point? Really? Is there any doubt of that? Anyway, let's keep reading the article by Hemant Mehta. He's partly right. Facebook is evil, just not quite for the reasons he thinks. The comparison of Jesus with Trump, however, is just laughable. The fun part is that if his followers actually spread Trump's lies, they risk losing their own accounts. No big loss to people who live in reality, but I'm sure we're a short while away from hearing the dumbest people in the country whining about how Facebook endorses cancel culture. That's the beauty of Trump, by the way. It's not enough that he loses. He has to drag everyone else down with him. It can't happen quickly enough. Agreed. But this guy, Shane Vaughn, He's not the only one bitching about this. There's another guy named Bill Mitchell, okay? I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's pretty big on Twitter. In fact, I think his Twitter may have been removed recently. He may have been suspended for misinformation. I don't know. Anyways, Bill Mitchell has a show, a podcast. I'm not sure what it's on. And he is a, an extreme right-wing propagandist to the highest degree. Doesn't get more extreme than this guy, really. He's fucking up there. So let's listen to what he has to say about Trump's Facebook ban. We got to break up big tech and so on and so forth. Just do it. Just do it. Where's the legislation? The talk is cheap. The talk is meaningless. And these guys realize, you know, the Zuckerbergs and so on and so forth, they got huge legal staffs. They got all the money in the world. They realize that you're not going to do anything. And that's why they act with such boldness to get rid of Trump, get rid of me, get rid of other conservatives, other platforms. My God, this guy acts exactly like this lawyer that I met one time. This lawyer, I sit down with him and he's talking to me, right? And I'm talking about like, I just kind of dive in a little bit to what I'm doing, you know, what I do for work. I'm like, yeah, I'm a YouTuber and I talk about Trump and cults and, you know, all this other stuff. 
I think this was immediately after the election. The lawyer started trying to convince me that Trump was right anyways. He's like, no, I'm, I'm a Democrat. I've voted Democrat my whole life. But, uh, you know, the Repu- they say if you vote Republican when you're, what, what is it? What, what's the saying? If you vote Republican when you're young, you, ha- you have no heart. And if you vote Democrat when you're old, you have no brains or something like that. He pulled that line out on me, which is a bullshit line in itself. I'm not going to get into that right now. But he sat there and tried to convince me that it was right to vote Republican. And it was absolutely fucking disgusting. But he acted exactly like this guy right here. Bill Mitchell, it, exactly like him. Anyway, let's keep listening. Conservatives, other platforms, because they realize it's all talk, okay? Unless you, until you threaten these guys' bottom line. And I said on my feed the other day, you know what we need to do? We have to need to uh, go after guys like Zuckerberg and charge him with uh, seditious conspiracy. For what? What did Zuckerberg do that would... And, and is that even a crime, seditious conspiracy? Is that, like, in the law? Is that the name of the crime that he would commit? Seditious conspiracy? Or are those two separate crimes? Sedition and conspiracy to commit a crime. I have a, a strong, distinct feeling this guy's just making shit up off the top of his head. And his personality just fucking grates on me. Let's keep listening. Him ...with a seditious conspiracy and throw his ass in prison. I'm serious. Seize his company, seize the assets, throw him in prison. Wow, that's a good libertarian right there, right? Seize this private company. Who's going to seize it? The government? Is the government going to seize it? Who runs it after that? Does the government run Facebook? You, you sure you really want that, Bill? I think that's probably a bad fucking idea. I think he hasn't thought this through all the way. Throw him in prison for seditious conspiracy, which is a felony. Yeah. Why not? Why not? We should... God, this guy is so fucking cringy. Oh, my God. I have to do more about this guy. This is the kind of response that we're seeing from people after Trump's Facebook ban was upheld. Twitter was Trump's main source of misinformation. That's what he used the most to spread his disinformation propaganda. And he's, I seriously doubt he's getting his Twitter back anytime soon. He can probably count that out permanently. We're in a much better place now than we were six months ago or or even eight months ago. Cancellation works. Now, I don't necessarily believe in canceling people for any old thing, but it was justified in Trump's case. He has started a death cult. He has started a religion and gotten people killed. If that's not justification for removing his access to Twitter, I don't know what is. Next, we're going to talk about Pastor E.W. Jackson propagandizing for the Republican Party. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. next article I wanted to talk about is about E.W. Jackson. The title is, E.W. Jackson claims liberals would love nothing more than to kill black conservatives. 
There's a little bit of lead up to this article though. Before we actually read the article and watch the clip, there's another clip I wanted to watch to basically remind you guys of who this guy is. I've covered him before. The guy is a pastor and an, an evangelical and a right-wing extremist. So let's listen to what he has to say. No transgenders in heaven. No homosexuals in heaven. Nobody in heaven is going to be confused about what God made them to be. There's nobody in heaven is going to be talking about, I'm a man, but I, I, I've got a woman on the inside of me. Please. See, that's how you know that stuff is of the devil. How? How do you know that stuff is of the devil? Are you just going to say it's of the devil because I say it's of the devil? And, and just say that's how you know to back up your words, your empty fucking words. In case you haven't caught on, this guy's a fucking monster. That, that's how you know. Because that, that stuff is not going into heaven. Oh, okay. Oh, hold on now. So you're saying you know it's of the devil because it's not going into heaven. And you know it's not going into heaven because that stuff is of the devil. Is that circular reasoning or am I missing something here? Because that, that stuff is not going into heaven. So what, what people need to do is get saved now, get delivered now. You see this guy, this Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, I think it is. Um, what's he call himself? Rachel something or other. Rachel Levin. He's misgendering Rachel Levin. I just want to set the tone for this next video. This guy's a fucking monster. I mean, it's sad. It's pathetic. It really is. You look at this guy, and he's a freak. Guy's a fucking monster. That's all that needs to be said about him. But that'll set the tone for our next article, which is titled, E.W. Jackson claims liberals would love nothing more than to kill black conservatives. So let's give it a read and see what it says. During Tuesday's episode of his daily Wisdom Awakening live stream, right-wing pastor E.W. Jackson declared that liberals want to kill black conservatives and only refrain from doing so because they're cowards. During the program in which he earlier proclaimed that Democrats and liberals are the biggest and most destructive racists in America, Jackson said that Democrats today are no different than the Ku Klux Klan. So let's give this video a watch and see what he had to say for himself. If you dare jump out of the box they built for you, they're going to lash your back. Using graphic imagery from slave days to evoke an emotional reaction to try to make people feel emotional about this, to try to paint the Democrats as a really, really evil party. Let's keep listening. I said it and I mean it, because that's exactly, it's just, it's just a different way of doing it, but it's the same spirit of the Democrat Party. Okay, now hold on a second. So he's saying that the Democrat Party is treating people equally as bad as when they were enslaved. Is, is that really the argument that he's going with? ...of the Democrat Party that once had the Ku Klux Klan running around, lynching black people, beating black people, terrorizing black people, because they dared to suggest that they were going to vote Republican. Okay, fascinating. Okay, now we're getting into some really interesting shit. Let's talk about this. Is he correct? Was it the Democrat Party that started that movement, that started the, the Klan, and that did all of that other stuff? Yes, he is. He's correct on that point. Because you know what? Before 1964, the Democrat Party was the conservative party. 
it was conservatives who were doing that stuff in the 1800s, 1900s. But there was a political shift in 1964. Let me tell you what happened. I talk about this on my video for next week, too, on my main channel, but I'll cover this now, too. John F. Kennedy, in 1963, he was assassinated, I believe, right? Lyndon B. Johnson, his vice president, took over. Both of them were Democrats, but they were pretty liberal-leaning for Democrats. It used to be the Democrats were the conservative party. Those two guys were fairly liberal for being conservatives. After Kennedy was assassinated, Lyndon B. Johnson took over as president, and he signed the Civil Rights Act in 1964, I believe. When he did that, that pissed off the conservative party of the Democrats so much that they all decided to flip. They switched to the Republican Party. Then the very next election, Richard Nixon ran as a Republican, which was the Liberal Party. And Nixon had what he called the Southern Strategy. The Southern Strategy was an electoral strategy to try to get all of the old racist Southern white voters to vote for him through racist dog whistling. That was his plan, and he succeeded. You know how many states Richard Nixon won in his election? 49 states. He won every single state except for Massachusetts. Richard Nixon won every single state because the Republicans, the Liberal Party, they wanted to vote for the Liberal Party of the Republicans, the party that believed in freeing the slaves, that freed the slaves, and, and all that other stuff. The Democrats, the Conservative Party, heard the dog whistling and voted for Nixon. So it ended in an electoral map that was completely red, 100%, except for Massachusetts. So E.W. Jackson, what he's saying here, that's correct. The Democrats did do that. And then they switched to the Republican Party through Nixon's use of the Southern strategy. He is a member of the old Democrat Party from the 1800s right now, this guy is. And he's saying the Republican Party, the one that freed the slaves, he's saying that those people are really the ones enslaving you. This is called reframing propaganda. Black people, terrorizing black people because they dare to suggest that they were gonna vote Republican. You know, I guess that was a problem at some point in history. Like, uh, they're trying to prevent black people from voting even after they had won the, their rights to suffrage. Uh, so, okay, fair enough, but... He is still talking about the conservative party, not the liberal party. Cux Klan running around, lynching black people, beating black people, terrorizing black people because they dare to suggest that they were going to vote Republican. What's the difference? The, the difference is the parties have switched. The Republicans used to be the, the liberal progressive party, and now it is the conservative party. The Republicans in the party now are the same group of people who actually seceded from the U.S. It's the same group. It's the same type of people, same ancestors. It's the conservative party now. That's it. The, the difference is not in substance. The difference is only in strategy. I'm convinced, because, look, I've heard from them, folks. I have to have security, and I won't get, any, get into it any further than that. But I'm convinced that they'd kill us if they could. Just like they did 
in the antebellum South and in the Ku Klux Klan era after Reconstruction. That was the conservative party that was doing that shit. You, the, the party you are a member of. You are a conservative. The same fucking people who did that shit. He's out of place. Kill him. Get rid of him. We don't want his voice being heard. We don't want him to stir up the others. Next thing you know, they'll all be thinking they can think independently and they can think for themselves. And they, they don't need to be supporting people who tell them they're doing them a favor by killing their babies. This is so fucking sad. This guy is so brainwashed by the evangelical movement that he is voting against his own interests to the highest degree. This is really fucking sad. He is convinced that he's doing the right thing when he is a member of the party that seceded from the U.S. so that they could keep slavery. How fucking wrong is this? How fucking wrong? They, they're going to question... They're going to question us? They're going to question us after all we've done for them? I mean, we put them in the finest huts in the projects. You know, we, look, we, we're, we, we're supplying them with marijuana now. I, I don't have any idea what he's talking about there. I mean, they, they have legalized weed in some areas. That doesn't mean the government is passing the shit out. It's still illegal on a federal level. Just because alcohol is legal, does that mean they're supplying alcohol to anybody? Of course not. What the fuck is he even talking about? This is so fucking sad. And, you know, we vote to increase their welfare checks. And they're going to contradict us and suggest that they're not going to vote for us? <laughs> Based upon some of the communications I get, believe me, they'd gladly kill us. They can't do that. Frankly, and it's not because they're not evil enough to do it. It's because they're too cowardly to do it. Is he saying that it would be better if we weren't as cowardly as we are? I'm not even, look, I'm falling into a trap where I identify myself as a Democrat. I'm really not necessarily a Democrat. I vote not Republican every year only because I don't want to support an evangelical extremist Christian ISIS agenda, which is what you get with a vote for Republican nowadays. It wasn't always like that. I find this so fucking sad that this guy has been so thoroughly bamboozled, so thoroughly tricked, brainwashed into believing that the old Democrat Party, the conservatives from the 1800, have his best interests at heart today. There are members of the old Democrat Party, which is the Republican Party now, who would kill him in a heartbeat in all seriousness. And he's voting for this group of people. It's really fucking heartbreaking. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, 
issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.